The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 203 Christ Opens the Gospel to the Gentiles Saul was enraged. I want to finish off all of them. He bellowed to the men assisting him. The men stepped back from the zealous Pharisee. They had just told him that many followers of the Jesus of Nazareth movement were fleeing Jerusalem. Just hearing his reaction struck fear in them. We know a large group of them have gone north to Damascus to find safe haven. One of the braver assistants said. Saul's contorted face changed to one of resolution. Come with me, I have a plan, Saul commanded. The men had trouble keeping up with Saul as he rushed toward the center of Jerusalem. The high priest looked up from the scroll he was reading. When his servant entered the room, he was visibly irritated by the interruption. What's this about? The aged man said gruffly. Saul of Tarsus requests a brief meeting with you. The servant said calmly. He knew the high priest would be very interested in whatever Saul wanted. Allow him to come in. Thank you. The priest replied with a slight grin. Saul entered the high priest's private room with confidence and power. Thank you, sir, for seeing me without prior notice. He stated with great respect. He bowed slightly as he drew closer to the man he knew well. I think you will agree I have urgent business needing your attention. The high priest held high regard for Saul's zealous devotion to the Pharisaic way of life. Saul was flawless in his observance of the laws of Levitical purity and tithing. Recently, the priest was most pleased with Saul's boundless energy to wipe out Jerusalem's growing and most threatening religious faction. Surely, Saul had good news for him. How can I help you? He replied kindly. I have just received news that the followers of Jesus are fleeing Jerusalem. Saul stated with urgency. Isn't that good for Jerusalem? The high priest asked. Well, that may clear the streets of Jerusalem of such criminals, but our way of life is still threatened. How so? These people are fearless, Saul argued with conviction. No matter what we do to them, they do not stop their preaching. They will spread their religion wherever they go. A large group of them are already in Damascus. The high priest listened with alarm. What do you propose we do? You know that many leaders of the synagogues in Damascus will unknowingly welcome these former believing Jews to speak on the Sabbath. These rebels will have a ready-made audience to hear their erroneous teaching. We must slow them down before they corrupt the entire city. With official letters from you, I can warn the leaders of the synagogues. Saul suggested. And all those I find of this way, I can drag back to Jerusalem for judgment and punishment. You have my full support, the high priest confirmed. Make your plans and come back for the letters later today. Excited by the high priest's support, 
Saul rushed to prepare his assault on his rivals in Damascus. It was early in the morning when Saul and his men began the final hours of their journey to Damascus. Saul had plenty of time to plan his attack over his several days long trip. He was eager to begin his purge of Damascus. The men with him were as committed as he was. He quickened his pace the closer they came to the city. His men, breathing deeply from the pace, followed closely behind him. Although this was not a pleasure trip, Saul still looked forward to seeing Damascus. The city was rich with history. It had both Greek and Roman architecture and reminded Saul of his home city of Tarsus. As the men drew near the city around noon, a light brighter than the sun suddenly shone around Saul and his men. They all fell prostrate to the ground. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? A thunderous voice stated in Hebrew. You are hurting yourself by hanging back like an ox kicking against its owner's stick. The men with Saul saw the light and heard a voice, but could not understand what was being said. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, trembling. The voice responded. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul was shaking in fear. All of his confidence and indignation had fled, replaced by alarm. For a man as passionate and determined as Saul, God had to use an intense experience to wake him up spiritually. Get up and stand on your feet, Jesus commanded Saul. Christ knew he had Saul's attention, and he wanted him to know his plans for him. I have appeared to you to choose you as my servant. You are to tell others what you have seen of me today, and I will show you in the future." Christ explained. Saul stood up carefully. He opened his eyes, but he could not see anything. When he realized Jesus of Nazareth really was God and that he was talking to him, Saul nearly fell to the ground again. Christ continued, I will rescue you from the people of Israel and from the Gentiles to whom I will send you. You are to open their eyes and turn them from the darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God, so that through their faith in me, they will have their sins forgiven and receive their place among God's chosen people. Saul was astounded by what he was hearing. He felt chastened and humbled. All that he had been devoting his life to had been wrong. He found it difficult to even focus on what he was being told. But it seemed that despite all he had done, God was showing him overwhelming mercy and even giving him a work to do. His thoughts were swimming. What would you have me to do, Lord? Saul asked Jesus. Go into the city and it shall be told you what you must do, Christ commanded. Saul wanted to obey immediately, but he could not see to walk anywhere. He had been blinded by the bright light. Is this permanent? Is this permanent? Is this permanent? He wondered. The men with him were speechless and still in shock. Once they regained their composure, Saul directed them to take him into the city. 
they took him by the hand like a little child and led him through the gate of Damascus. The fierce warrior against Christ had no fight left in him. Saul knew he needed to fast. He did not drink water or eat food for the next three days. He thought deeply on how wrong his thinking had been, how much suffering he had caused, and how dramatic a change of life he was going to have to make. And he patiently waited for more directions from Jesus Christ. A disciple named Ananias sat alone under a shade tree in his garden. He was deeply concerned for his fellow believers fleeing Jerusalem. The overzealous Pharisee named Saul was butchering people and splitting up many families. The devout Ananias had been dedicating his time to help the followers of Jesus find shelter and work in their new home city. His heart ached for all those stripped from their homes in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. While he was deep in thought about what more he could do for God's people, something amazing happened. Ananias, Jesus said in a vision, I am here, Lord. Ananias responded. This faithful disciple knew his master's voice. Get ready and go to Straight Street. And at the house of Judas, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Jesus instructed his disciple. He is praying and in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he might see again. Ananias was not surprised that Jesus was talking to him. He was living in a time of many miraculous events. However, he was somewhat shocked by what Christ was asking him to do. Lord. Ananias answered respectfully. Many people have told me about this man and about all the terrible things he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And he has come to Damascus with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who worship you. Members of God's church were so vigilant about the persecution they faced that news of Saul's plans at Damascus had arrived before he did. Jesus Christ understood Ananias' concern. Go, because I have chosen him to serve me, to make my name known to the Gentiles and kings and to the people of Israel, and I myself will show him all that he must suffer for my sake. Jesus explained. The vision ended abruptly. Ananias did not delay. He quickly dressed for his God-given mission and headed for Straight Street. Locating the house of Judas, Ananias knocked on the door, politely introduced himself, and asked to see Saul. He entered the room where Saul was and placed his hands on him. Saul was startled by being touched by someone he could not see. Brother Saul, Ananias said calmly, The Lord has sent me. Even Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. He sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, 
something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he was able to see again. As he looked at Ananias, tears filled Saul's eyes. He was so thankful that his sight had returned, and he was moved at the prospect of receiving God's Spirit. Ananias was moved to see this man, who had been such a terror to God's people, demonstrate such a childlike attitude. He continued speaking as Christ had instructed him. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see him, and to hear him speaking with his own voice. You will be a witness for him, to tell everyone what you have seen and heard. And now, why wait any longer? Get up and be baptized, and have your sins washed away by praying to him. So Saul was baptized. After he had eaten, his strength returned and he proceeded to get to know the disciples and their zeal for serving Jesus Christ. Saul stayed several days with the believers in Damascus. He threw himself into doing the work as he understood it at that time. He went into the synagogues of Damascus and preached that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah and the Son of God. The Jews who heard him speak were astonished. Isn't he the one who was in Jerusalem killing those who worship that man Jesus? One Jew asked another. And didn't he come here for the very purpose of arresting those people and taking them back to the chief priests? Asked another. Saul's preaching grew in power and strength. His proof that Jesus was the Christ was so convincing that the Jews could not argue with him. Saul's zeal for preaching the truth was great. But Christ needed to spend personal time teaching his new apostle about the kingdom of God. He planned to meet with Saul far away from Damascus and Jerusalem. Following Christ's instructions, Saul left Damascus and journeyed to Arabia to be alone with Jesus Christ. Even Saul recognized that he needed much instruction so he could successfully fulfill his commission as the apostle to the Gentiles. Christ would also use Saul to preach to kings and the people of Israel. This was a huge job to prepare for. Saul ended up spending three full years alone with Christ in Arabia before returning to Damascus. During Saul's absence, Jesus Christ continued to work through his chief apostle Peter and the other apostles still living in Jerusalem. After Peter and John's successful trip through the villages of Samaria, Peter visited the disciples in Lida. While there, he met Peneus, a man who had been bedridden for eight years. Peneus was paralyzed by body tremors. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter knew that Jesus wanted to heal him. He looked at the man compassionately. Aeneas, Jesus Christ restores you to health. Get up and make your bed. He said with a big smile. Peneus got up immediately. This event turned out to be quite a witness in Lida and neighboring Sharon. When all the people saw Peneus out of bed and walking, everyone turned to God. 
How astonishing that was, despite the troubles and trials of persecution, God's church continually grows. Of course, the church had trials to deal with too. In the city of Joppa, today encompassed by the city of Tel Aviv, there lived a disciple named Tabitha. In the Greek language, she was also known as Dorcas, which means dare. Dorcas spent a lot of time doing good works for others. She even gave gifts of money to help the poor. One day she became very ill and died. This caused great sorrow among the disciples and the townspeople of Joppa. Learning that Peter was visiting Lida, a nearby city, the disciples sent two men to find him. In the meantime, several others washed Dorcas's body and put it in the upper room of her house. The two men easily found Peter, visiting a member and his family. Please come and help us without delay. They urged him. Dorcas became very ill and has died. Peter immediately rushed to Joppa. When Peter arrived at Dorcas's home, they took him to the upper room. All the widows in the congregation stood beside Peter weeping and showing him the clothing that Dorcas had made for them. He politely asked the women to leave the room. Peter then knelt down and prayed fervently for Dorcas to be resurrected. He looked up and turned toward the lifeless body, saying, Tabitha, arise. A great miracle took place. Tabitha opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. Peter gave her his hand and helped her out of the bed. With great joy, he called out to the disciples and the widows, Come up here, all of you! When they came to the entrance of the upper room, he presented Dorcas to them alive. This miracle became known throughout Joppa, so that more believed in Jesus Christ. Peter remained in Joppa for many days, teaching and preaching to the people. He stayed with a disciple known as Simon Atana. The Roman soldier breathed in the fresh sea air as he looked out toward the Mediterranean Sea from his rooftop. It was another beautiful afternoon. The brilliance of the blue sky was surpassed only by the turquoise color of the calm, pristine seawater. I am a blessed man, Cornelius thought. He had dedicated his life to being the best soldier possible. He worked hard and kept himself physically fit. In time, he had been promoted to the rank of centurion. This gave him more pay and better opportunities. He was captain over 100 soldiers of the Cohors Italica, Italian band. Being a captain was a position of leadership and honor. Yet Cornelius remained humble. He worked diligently to help his soldiers succeed as he had. Of all things good in his life, he treasured most being stationed at Caesarea, the Roman capital of the province of Judea. He didn't feel this way because of Caesarea's pleasant physical surroundings, or being it was a center of government. Though these are great benefits, he said under his breath. 
No, Cornelius loved Caesarea because it had brought him close to Jerusalem, the center of the Israelites' religious worship. He had grown tired of Rome's religious practices. They made no rational sense. Although he did not become a Jewish proselyte, he did learn about the one true God, the creator of all things, and taught his family about him. Cornelius suspected that this true God had a purpose for creation. The Roman gods, even if real, were no different from evil men. They supposedly loved silliness and fun. The true God obviously began the nation of Israel for a reason. What was it? Cornelius wondered. He loved the Jewish Israelites for their earnestness. He gave alms to help their poor. He prayed fervently to the true God always. However, he recognized that something was missing in his life. Cornelius wanted to know more. Cornelius again looked briefly toward the sky. It was mid-afternoon, the time many Jews would be praying at the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to pray too. He bowed his head to thank God for his many blessings. But then he opened his eyes for just a second and saw something spectacular. An angel from God was coming directly toward him. Cornelius. The angel said. The brave and dedicated soldier became afraid. God is pleased with your prayers and your alms and is ready to answer you, proclaimed God's messenger. Cornelius' heart skipped with joy. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man whose name is Simon Peter. He is lodging with a man also named Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Suddenly, the angel vanished. Cornelius rubbed his eyes for a second. But he knew what he had just experienced was real. He immediately called two of his most trusted household servants and a soldier who shared his views about God. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa to get Peter. Then, with great joy, he got on his knees and thanked God for taking notice of him. Peter had a busy morning teaching and counseling the new members in Joppa. He deeply appreciated being able to stay with Simon, who was well known for his skill with tanning hides. Being a man of some wealth, Simon's house had ample room to host members for private counseling. Being close to the sea, Peter was also provided the opportunity to be alone and refresh himself. He especially loved the private patio on the roof at Simon's house. He could sit up there and take in the beauty of the sea and breathe the fresh salty air. He could also pray privately without interruption. At about noon, on the day after the angel visited Cornelius, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. While praying, Peter became very hungry. However, the noon meal was still being prepared. Little did Peter know that Jesus Christ was orchestrating a momentous event. He allowed Peter 
to fall into a trance. In the vision, Peter saw heaven opened and a huge sheet being let down toward him by its four corners. Inside the sheet were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and wild birds. It was a creepy thing to see. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. A thunderous voice said. Certainly not, Lord. Peter responded. I have never eaten anything ritually unclean or defiled. Do not consider anything unclean that God has declared clean. The voice answered. This happened three times, and then the sheet was taken back unto heaven. Peter came out of the trance, but wondered what the vision meant. While Peter was trying to process the vision, the men sent by Cornelius had located Simon's house and was standing at the gate. Is there a guest named Simon Peter staying here? The soldier yelled into the courtyard. Peter was still dumbfounded and was turning the whole vision over again in his mind. Christ had to get Peter's attention. Listen, three men here are looking for you. The spirit said, Get up and go downstairs and go with them. Don't doubt anything. I have sent them to you. Staggering briefly from kneeling so long, Peter quickly gained strength in his legs and went down to greet the men at the gate. I am the man you are looking for, he informed the two. Why have you come? Captain Cornelius sent us. He is a good man who worships God and is highly respected by all the Jewish people. An angel of God told him to invite you to his house in Caesarea so he could hear what you have to say. They said with respect for Peter. So God's chief apostle invited the men in and had them spend the night there. The next day, they got ready and headed to Cornelius. Some of the believers from Joppa also went along. The work of God was about to take on a new and unexpected dimension. The following day, Peter arrived in Caesarea, where Cornelius was waiting for him, together with relatives and close friends he had invited. As Peter was about to enter the house, a very eager Cornelius met him. Overwhelmed with emotion, Cornelius fell at his feet and bowed down before him. Stand up, Peter said. I myself am only a man. He reached out to Cornelius and helped him to his feet. The two men went indoors, talking as they walked. To his amazement, Cornelius' house was full of people. Peter was astonished to see all these Romans so obviously supportive and excited about the truth of God. He had never seen such a thing and momentarily wondered that God had led him here. Then he thought about the unusual vision he had been given the day before and suddenly he realized the connection between the two. His face lit up in recognition. Peter looked around at the crowd, who was clearly thrilled to have him with them. He composed his thoughts and then began to speak. You know well that a Jew is not allowed by his religion to visit or associate with Gentiles. He said carefully, so as not to offend anyone. 
But God has shown me that I must not consider any person ritually unclean or defiled. And so when you sent for me, I came without any objection. I ask you then, why did you send for me? Cornelius spoke up to explain. It was about this time, three days ago, that I was praying in my house in the middle of the afternoon. Suddenly a man dressed in shining clothes stood in front of me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and has taken notice of your works of charity. Send someone to Joppa for a man whose name is Simon Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner of Leather, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been good to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God, waiting to hear anything that the Lord has instructed you to say. Peter was impressed with Cornelius' great reverence for God. He realized that God wanted his whole household to hear the gospel of Christ. Peter looked over the entire group. All eyes were fixed on him, and all ears were attentive. I now realize that God is not a respecter of persons. He began. Those who fear him and do what is right are acceptable to him, whether they are Jew or Gentile. I understand that you have heard about the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter could sense that every person in the room was drinking in his words like a cool drink from a fresh spring. You know of the great event that took place throughout the land of Israel beginning in Galilee after John preached his message of baptism. He continued, you know about Jesus of Nazareth and how God poured out on him the Holy Spirit and power. He went everywhere, doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the land of Israel and in Jerusalem. Then they put him to death by nailing him to a tree. But God raised him from death three days later and caused him to appear, not to everyone, but only to the witnesses that God had already chosen, that is, to those of us who ate and drank with him after he rose from death. Peter said with great enthusiasm, excitement, and power. And Christ commanded us to preach the gospel to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets spoke about him, saying that all who believe in him will have their sins forgiven through the power of his name. He continued, Then a great event happened. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit poured down on all those who were listening to his sermon. The Jewish believers, who had come from Joppa with Peter, were astonished that God had poured out his gift of the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles too. Peter heard the Gentiles speaking and praising God's greatness in the Hebrew language. God's chief apostle was filled with joy. These people have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, he extolled. Can anyone stop them from being baptized with water? So Peter ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What a day for Cornelius and his household. Christ had labored mightily for them, 
he showed his chief apostle that the gospel message and God's plan of salvation was for every human being, not just the Jews and Israelites. Cornelius was so excited to be in God's church that he asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. However, not everyone would be excited with the new development in God's work. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.